This is Chapter 166 of the WCBS Author Talks Podcast. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at WCBS 880Books. I'm Lisa Chernkovich. Coming up, we get to know the guys who make up the Bromance Book Club. Then we travel far into the future for a murder mystery featuring robots. You've probably already guessed this, but the overwhelming majority of romance novel readers are women. A whopping 82%, according to the industry group Romance Writers of America. Shocker. I know. And while it's easy to guess why women are attracted to the genre, what draws that 18% of male readers? Author Lissa K. Adams came up with a thoroughly enjoyable reason and turned it into her Bromance Book Club series. The third and latest book is titled Crazy Stupid Bromance. But let's start at the beginning. What is the Bromance Book Club, Lissa? So it is a series about a group of men. It's set in Nashville and about a group of men who have a secret book club in which they read uh, romance novels, primarily written by women, um, because they've become convinced that romance novels hold secret insight into how women think and what women want in a relationship. And what they discover along the way as they as they get into the genre of romance is that the books certainly do that. They call them the manuals, but that they also have a lot of really positive um, lessons about life and, and friendship and, and just how to be better people. Where did you ever get this idea to write about guys who read romance novels as a way to navigate <laughs> their love lives? <laughs> a running and long-standing joke in the in the you know author community romance author community that we wish our men would read romance novels because you know they are now the genre is written by by ev- all genders um, but primarily it has been historically written by women and so we have often laughed amongst ourselves that you know if only if only our boyfriends and our husbands would read what we read, they'd understand how we want to be talked to and how we want to be, um, you know, what kind of relationships, how we want to be treated in our relationships and basically how we see and navigate the world that we see and navigate the world in it through a different lens. And so it just suddenly came to me a couple of years ago that, well, what if I wrote a series about men who actually do this, who actually decide to go ahead and read these novels and, and, and see what happens. And, um, the very first scene I wrote of the very first book was when the, the main character of that first book, Gavin, is introduced into this secret world. He thinks he's, you know, about to join basically a fantasy football league. And instead, it's, it's these guys, you know, all professional athletes and CEOs reading, a, you know, a historical romance novel. And, um, and it's just been a ton of fun to explore and think about. All right, if I put like my husband and all of his friends in a room with a bunch of romance novels, what would that sound like? <laughs> you know, what would their conversation be like? And it's funny because that scene, you you have a sort of a repeat of that scene in this latest installment, Crazy Stupid yes. Romance, when he's introduced to these guys and he thinks he's going yes. for some sort of wedding planning or or something else. Yes. And it's just it's so funny. <laughs> Yes. He's like, wait a minute. No, I want no part of this. I want no part of this. But they drag him into it, of course. So why don't you tell us about this latest installment? Yeah, so Crazy Stupid Romance, um, you know, is, is all of the books do we, you know, it's about a, a set of characters that we, you know, you met in the in a previous book. Um, Noah is a computer security expert, a former hacktivist, a teen hacktivist. 
And Alexis owns a cat cafe, um, and she recently has become quite uh, a little more famous than she wanted to be because in the previous book she was um, uh, came forward as the, the victim of, a, of sexual harassment by a celebrity chef. So we we're sort of seeing them, you know, several months later. And she learns that she has a long-lost sister, um, and so she needs help trying to figure out if this family that claims they are her family are for real. And so she sort of turns to who has become her friend, Noah, for help. And together they sort of navigate this very touchy family situation that she has found herself in. Um, and, and, you know, and their friendship blooms into something much more in the process of that. Um, and uh, with the help of, of the Bromance Book Club, he, he learns how to, how to really strengthen that relationship. One of the overarching themes that you have in these books is this, you know, is toxic masculinity, which I think a lot of people hear that phrase bandied about and they think they know what it means or maybe they're not so sure what it means. Do you think these books can help change people's minds? I do. Absolutely. And it's one of the main, main themes that I write about it. And, and, you know, when these guys start to look at the world through the lens of you know, the the woman who wrote whatever book they're reading, they start to realize that women do go through the world um, much differently and they see things and, and hear things um, and are subject to things that, that, that are much different than men. And so these guys learn along the way to really sort of examine their own upbringings and their own assumptions and, and even just the way that they talk and they begin to realize that some of these ideas about machoism and what makes someone masculine um, are actually detrimental to them, that they, they've been taught not to show emotion and not to be vulnerable. And um, and that not only does that screw up their romantic relationships, it actually makes it, it screws up their friendships and their relationships with their parents. And and um, so I, I do think, in fact, I've, you know, I, I love to get comments from male readers who say that it really has opened their eyes to you know, um, the way that their own assumptions about what makes someone masculine in a relationship, you know, have actions that have been detrimental to them. So um, I really examine that in all of the all of the romance books. You jumped to my next question because I was going to ask, have have you picked up any male readers and what have they said to you? (laughs) Yes, we have. In fact, I'm so excited that um, an actual bromance book club was formed not too long ago uh, um, by a a man, an Olympic medalist, actually, um, who picked up my book. Um, I'm not even actually sure how he how he found out about it or where he found it and decided that he was going to form one with all of his you know, successful male friends, his, you know, athlete friends and his, you know, business friends. And um, he wrote an article about it for Men's Health Magazine um, over the summer. And um, he's having great success. Other men are reaching out to him saying, how do we do this? And so I love hearing from from him. His name is Jason Rogers and, and from other men who read the book and said, you know, I never would have considered romance before, but I'm hooked. Or one comment I got just continues, just still blows me away from a man who read the first book and said that it actually, he and his wife were going through some really rough times. And it made him realize that he needed to change the way he was talking to her, that he wasn't thinking of things from her perspective. And so that just blew my mind. I just to this day, that just, I love that, that, that men are actually reading it and absorbing the lessons of it. You've legit started a movement. <laughs> Men reading romance. I love it. <laughs> so can we expect more adventures from, from the guys in the book club and their friends? 
We can, yes. In fact, I'm just finishing up the revisions and the edits on a fourth book um, that'll be coming out in June, and that is about a character that's sort of a fan favorite named just, he's referred to in most of the books as just the Russian. Yes, I'm so happy Um, to hear that. (laughs) (laughs) The Russian is getting his own book. Um, And so that book will be out in June, and then there will be two more after that. Yeah, so more, more adventures of the Bromance Book Club. I have to imagine writing the dialogue for the Russian has been some fun for you. Oh, my gosh. It is it is a lot of pressure because people love that character. And I don't want to, you know, I want to make sure I give him a story that's worthy of it. But it is so fun. I mean, he, he is such a, a sweet, vulnerable character, you know, to start. And, um, and uh, giving him a story of his own has been just so fun. Well, I personally can't wait for that. In the meantime, hopefully people will go out and... and- catch up on the bromance book club the latest installment is crazy stupid bromance lissa k adams thank you for spending some time with us today to talk about it thank you for having me i appreciate it and hopefully we've opened up a few guys minds i hope so a world decimated by a plague serves as the setting for the new mystery by ariel s winter and while that may hit a little close to home right now his story is set in the distant future a future where robots are running the government. He tells us more about the preserve. So it is set in a world where there has been a pandemic that has wiped out much of humanity, and the robots find themselves in the majority and as the ruling class. And so controversially, they decide to set up some preserves where humans can live on their own without robots. Uh, interference, but the first murder happens on the preserve, and the robots that are against the preserves want to use that murder as a reason to shut the preserves down. I think a lot of people, um, you know, we're kind of tired about pandemics right about now, but (laughs) what inspired you to take this post-pandemic approach? So I wrote the book long before we were experiencing a real pandemic. Um, So that was not a consideration at the time. Um, I wanted to have a situation where robots would outnumber humans. And I am tired of the robot-human war uh, in which one wipes out the other. And so I wanted a more natural way that robots would end up as the ruling class. Did you dive into research about artificial intelligence and, and the whole debate around, you know, consciousness? To be honest, no, I didn't. I just sort of winged it. <laughs> um, I... Uh, I One of the things that I like about robots or is the idea that they can be immortal, uh, that with continual updates and replacing pieces, that their consciousness uh, is not limited the way that humans are. So that's the aspect of it that interested me the most, uh, as opposed to some of the, I think, debates about artificial intelligence that we're having in a a real discussion. As you get swept up in in this, you know, murder mystery that that you've written, you start to realize that even though your robots aren't really capable of emotion, 
they aren't all that different from the humans that some of them are trying to protect and some of them are trying to get rid of. Yes, that's true. Uh, One of the key aspects of the book is the relationship between the chief of police, Jesse Loughton, who's the main character, and his former robot partner, uh, who has come to the preserve to assist with the investigation. And the relationship between them is one of a close friendship. Uh, So that was another aspect that was important to me to show that there could be a friendship between two very different beings. It's interesting, too, because the what you mentioned earlier, that idea of immortality plays into their relationship as well. Yes, it does. Uh, one of the other key aspects from the human perspective is the importance of family. And one of the difficult things about mortality is that family uh, sort of ends at some point um, in the real world, not in memory. Um, And so the idea that a robot friend could continue being a presence in a family's life uh, is comforting to some. You know, I think, as you said, your book approaches it from, you know, the robots or the humans aren't trying to get rid of each other. But that seems to be what a lot of people see the future of, of, of robots and humankind, of AI. And I kind of like the take you, that, that you put on it. Where do you think we're headed in terms of how robots and humans are going to coexist or will they coexist? I think they will. I think that obviously we're far away from having AI that is self-aware, which is different than having AI uh, that is smart. Um, So I think that if we ever do reach that point where AI is self-aware, I think that there'll be a conversation uh, between humans and AI that negotiates sort of what the relationship would be, not necessarily that it has to be adversarial. And what do you want readers to take away? Do you want them to see the more larger messages and maybe, you know, we can all get along despite how different we may be from each other? Or is it just meant to be a fun, twisty read? No, I do want people to have the sense that we can get along despite differences. Um, As I said, there are robots who are anti-human, and some of that comes from a resentment from a time when the humans were the dominant force, and there was an attitude that AI was meant only to serve humans, but that there are other AIs who do see it as a relationship that uh, can work out Uh, despite their differences. And what's next? Are you going to stay in this sci-fi world or you're going to tackle something new? Uh, The book I'm working on now is another crime book, but it is set in our uh, regular world. Um, It's actually a period piece set in the 50s. Uh, So not no robots in the in the next one. Oh, that's too bad. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know. Um, my previous novel, Baron Cove, which uh, came right before The Preserve, that is a robot book as well and um, deals with some of the same issues, but in a very different genre. 
All right. Well, in the meantime, they can catch up on that one. They can catch up on the new one, The Preserve, Aerialist Winter. Thank you for taking some time today and talking to us. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And that's where we close the book on this chapter. Next time, we chat with Jane Igaro about how her own immigration story influenced her delightful rom-com debut. Until then, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at WCBS 880 Books. I'm Lisa Cherkovich.